situation you're in that's not working out for you, you before you let yourself get into some kind of battle with yourself, change your mood, change your feelings, you bring your own CIA in. See, can I control the situation? Is there anything I can do to really control it, actively get involved and change it? Yes, do it. No, move to the next one. It's the I. Can I influence this? Are there people I can talk to? Are there companies that I can get involved that can shift the way this looks? Can I influence it in some way? Yes, do it. No, move to the A. The A is accept it. For now, that's the caveat. Because a lot of people think, I don't want to accept this situation because it's not a good situation. Okay, but if you're not accepting it, you're resisting it, you're embattling with it. And that doesn't bring the best of you or the situation. You're just going to further increase the friction between you and the situation. Yo, and welcome back to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast with me, Ryan Hartley. And these are the interview sessions where I interview inspiring, successful people about their heart and their mind. The interview sessions are brought to you by our good friends at Web Creation. Head to webcreationgroup.com for stunning websites at sensible prices. Today on episode 86, I am joined by Simon Tyler, author of the Impact book, the Keep It Simple book, the Impact Code, and the Simple Way. Simon is a pioneer in simplicity, impact, and attitude. He has been a coach for over 20 years, and he has been making a positive difference to individuals, leaders, executives, and audiences all over the world. It is my honor and privilege to have Simon on the show today. I hope there's something within this podcast that is simple and easy for you to use and when, and when implemented in your own life, I hope that helps you be better in your heart and in your mind in some way. Head to simontyler.com for more information about Simon, his books and his work. And very lastly, before we dive into the interview with Simon, if you are not connected with us, our, our We Are Always Better Than Yesterday community on Facebook, head over to Facebook right now. Pause this right now. Head over to Facebook, type in We Are Always Better Than Yesterday. Come and join us, community of like-minded people from all around the world who believe in developing themselves and others to be better than they were yesterday that is you i know it's you because you're listening to this podcast and that's enough from me let's dive in episode 86 with simon tyler much love welcome back to the always better than yesterday interview sessions with me ryan hartley and today i am joined by my very special guest simon tyler welcome simon hello ryan thank you very much for getting me onto the show it's great to have you here. I'd love to know a little bit about your story, a little bit about your journey. Um, it's a big story, and, and I don't often jump into the space and try and elaborate a story, but my, my story is, is mine. It's made me who I am today. So mm. a corporate career focused in sales and marketing, then went into consultancy, and it was during the consultancy phase, which was a long time ago, maybe 20 years ago or more, 
that I built a team of coaches. We called them coaches. Mm-hmm. And as I look back, I reflect, well, they, they weren't coaches. We were all just training needs analyzers. That's all we were, which I suppose is an aspect of coaching. And that was my, my first step into becoming a coach. And I left that consultant. I chose to, to break away on my own, not knowing what to do other than to set up another consultant company. And it sort of links to, I know, another, another question you like to ask, which is, you know, how did I get influenced? And I, somebody who used to work for me had left herself and she'd not left herself, but she'd left herself. <laughs> and she was really focused when I met her two or three months later for a coffee. Um, she was really focused, really upbeat and purposeful about what she's doing. I thought, what earth has happened to you? <laughs> she said, I've been working with a coach. I said, really? She says, you should speak to him. American guy called Scott Wintrip. Really? Well, I don't think I talk to Americans. Just think how expensive that phone call will be. I'm not doing that. It's ridiculous. Cut elements of that story short. I end up working with Scott over the course of uh, three months, 12 weeks. Spoke to him every week. And I can remember it was nine o'clock his time. So 2 p.m. my time every Wednesday. And it was just a profound experience. This is 1919. 1999, probably, like that. Maybe, mm. no, before that, whatever it was, I can't remember. Mm. Um, and, and I realized that what he was doing in terms of his interest in me and my story and helping me get clarity and focus is that that's what I do. When I'm in dialogue with people, that's what I do. So with his sort of encouragement and steer, I thought, right, I'm building a coaching business. Mm. And then it began in about the year 2000. Yeah, my first paid coaching client was in year 2000. So 20 years this year as a coach. I love that. And, and I've seen on your website, you've coached for over 5,000 hours, 750 people, you've spoken at events, and you're the author of, of many books. And I just would love to know, where do you think, from all the things that you put out in your books about impact, simplicity, and attitude, what do you think is the most um, desired message to hear right now people who've read all of my books and perhaps read also read the simple notes that i send out every couple of weeks and mm-hmm. as podcasts as well they will undoubtedly pick themes and threads that run through everything that i talk about mm-hmm. and to nub down exactly on your question i would say now it's about accepting what is Mm. That sounds obvious and lots of people talk about it in different ways, but it's totally about just accepting what is the better we can accept what is coupled with maybe strengthening our let it go muscle, which is just letting whatever's just let it go by the better we can be there, the purer we become in terms of our thoughts and our relationship to the motion of our feelings. It means that more of us are available every single day to whatever shows up as opposed to any resistance we might have. I listened to your podcast recently about two questions that can help you be in the now. I'm just curious to know for our listeners what those two questions were. Well, it's interesting. When I recorded that podcast, I was so certain. And quite often I reach points, maybe other people listen to this. I reach points where I I know what it's all about. I know what it's all about. It's, mm-hmm. do, it's just do, it's this. And that sensation lasts with me maybe for an hour, maybe a day. And I think, I, I know what's going on. 
I totally know what's going on. That's it. I've cracked it. I am a master. But then it goes, <laughs> it just disappears. And I think, I don't know anything. I'm completely wrong. And I change it. And I reiterate. So for me, in coaching terms, and these two questions work, and they sort of spin from that, which is what do you want and what stops you? I would say that's mm -hmm. it. And, and you'll remember you're at one event I ran. I'm sure I must have mentioned it at that point mm -hmm. um, a year or so ago, which is what do you want? The more clarity you can have over what you want. And it's quite a curious one. And I, I'm prepared to understand that wanting is not a great state. I'll come back to that perhaps. But then what stops you? That, that's it. They're the two unlocking questions. And in some form, in every coaching dialogue I have, I will ask a version of what do you want several mm. times just to get clarity. What, what is it you want? Mm. What is it mm. that's important about what you've just said that you want? And try and get behind it. The more clarity we have over that, and often it's, it's not a million pounds or it's not a super fast car, even though that might be your first answer, it's just slowly get behind it. And then the what stops you, for me, that provides me the conversation, that the coaching dialogue with people to help people unlock what's mm. currently slowing them down, stopping them, uh, filling them with doubt and shaking their belief system that says, even though I want a super fast car, I don't believe I ever really would deserve one. Okay, well, we've got a want and we've got an upside down stopping point it's not gonna happen so those two things that's what i unravel as best i can in in coaching dialogues love that you you talked about that discovery in, in the the late 90s around um what you do best for other people like how did you talk me through that that period of, of self-awareness self-development and, and just knowing what it is that you wanted to do almost off the record Ryan I never really know mm. <laughs> and in the early part of my career particularly when I was on my own self-employed as a coach and facilitator and then eventually became speaker I would have regular periods of what, what the hell am I doing <laughs> what should I be doing this should mm. I be doing more um, should I be, should I be having other products? Should I have an online, but oh, what? I, <laughs> and, and that caused a disturbance and that would take me off my middle. Mm -hmm. And as I've got older and wiser and grayer in my beard, I've become more easy at just accepting what shows up. You know, I've had some really tough things that have occurred in my life over the last five, 10 years. And at the time they were happening, I'd rather they wouldn't. But here I am now, in some respects, I'm glad they did because they've made me who I am. So to go back to your question, how do I know what I've wanted? I've never been overly obsessed with goals, which is quite curious for a coach to say that. I'm not a totally goal-oriented person. I've learned and, and worked really hard on myself to be much more now, here, this moment, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that doesn't mean I've given up on a future and I don't plan, but I just allow things to be. And I trust how I feel about stuff and what mm -hmm. I'm thinking about stuff, and I move in a direction. And it's interesting, I had, had a really dark 
introspective existential crisis almost in January and February this year, which I, I've now reflected about. I think how curious I had that. And I was quite, I became very insular, dark. And the guy that works with me was saying, why don't you just get on? He was very good. He drags me out of the, the slow moving yeah. stuff. And I had that before we had this lockdown phase. Mm. And I think if I hadn't, I'd have experienced a, a much more of a bumpy ride through lockdown than I actually have. But in that period of time, I was pickling myself, thinking, you know, what am I up to? What, what am I doing? What sh where should I be going? Mm -hmm. And uh, a coaching friend of mine shared the very simple red, amber, green traffic light story, which works in lots of different contexts. But, but this one is, for me, it was trying to check in with how I feel about something. When I was faced with, I should build this product and start telling people about this. And I would just think about those colors. I would just think about the colors. Do, does it feel red? When a red feeling for me is, I don't want to do it. I feel distaste towards it or mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm repelled from it. Genuinely, it's a red sensation. Is it a green sensation, which is, yeah, I, I'm feeling myself drawn towards it. I, I, want, I want to do it. I want to do it. I'm going to do something. Mm -hmm. And I would drive myself into action. And then the amber one is, I'm not really sure. I'm just going to pause here. I'm going to wait for a bit more information. I'm not going to beat myself up about it. I'm not going to start taking action that I'm not sure of. I'm just going to let it sit in the amber color. And that, in a very simple technique, has helped me step away from stuff that I might have otherwise part of my head has said, oh, you, Simon, you should do that. That's a <laughs> should. You ought yep. to do that. And I haven't. I let go of those really quickly. And I follow loads of green that's that's the way i go love that um one of the real takeaways that i took from that time when you spoke uh last year was this sense of three four three what is the three four three model uh three four three and, and i was again so lucky that my head started to work this through how many years ago because that has become some, something i talk about a lot and three four three apart from being my favorite football formation but it's not about that because quite often when i talk about that to audiences half the audience go oh it's a football metaphor uh, so yeah. it's not three four three notionally describes the the 10 things that we're up to the 10 things about us and three and i describe it in terms of three are at the top they are what you're brilliant at they are the essence of you they are you at your absolute ultimate best. When you're in the act of doing whatever those three things are or being whoever those three things are as aspects of you, you feel awesome, you don't feel drained, you can do them all day long and you don't feel exhausted. And it's probably the things that people talk about about you behind your back. At the other end, at the bottom three, are the things that are the drag and they slow you down. They're the stuff that you'd rather not do. You put off forever. They accumulate. They start to stink because you think, oh, I need to get on with them. They're the things that are piling up on your desk or in your mind. And in the middle, they're the four things that come with the turf you're on right now. Maybe the job you're doing right now or the challenges you're thrusting yourselves at right now. And my secret recipe, if you like, that I say to people is your life is about the top three things. Shift anything you can to spend more time doing those top three things. Outsource, pay someone, don't do, automate the bottom three. 
and that's what that's nothing what life is all about what i notice in with people is they have a sense of duty guilt responsibility fear uh stuck in process and they they put off their top three things while they're doing their bottom three things because oh, i need to get these done before i do the things that i love why would you do that it's it's ridiculous and therefore i see people in corporation companies that i work with and you know that they perform poorly on their balance scorecard or whatever it is every year and in a few minutes of conversation i realized that spending most of their days doing at best the middle four, but probably lots of the bottom three skills and attributes and behaviors. It's like, well, you're, you're not gonna succeed until you start shifting course. Uh, and it might sometimes be change your job to be doing top three things. That's when life is really cool. Things happen faster. You meet people who think like you or stretch your thinking when you're up in that top three area. I can get yeah. very passionate and go on for hours about this one, right? I love that model. And I'll tell you why I love that model is because it gave me a framework of reference to explain something to my wife. So uh-huh. we, we are, I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, right? And yep. she has this notional idea, this, this pipe dream that when we're doing DIY, right, there's, there's me doing the DIY and the kids helping. The kids helping daddy, you know, that cute yeah, image. I become a monster when I do DIY. I hate it. Oh, right. I, I become a different version of myself. I, I lose all patience. Yeah. And I was like, here we go. It's clearly in my bottom three. Yeah. I don't love it. It changes yeah. who I am. I need to do less of it. So yeah. <laughs> you gave me the rationale to go back and go, stop the pipe dream. It's never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> because who knows? I don't know what it is in your story, but somewhere in your head might have been this little nudging, punching driver that says, you should do your own DIY. You should be yeah. good at this. You this should is what be it means to be a man. Carpentry and plumbing and so on. Really? Yeah. No. I there was a. I remember talking a story years ago, which is my dream world is a world where people, where everybody is doing what they love doing and they're brilliant at. Everybody, mm-hmm. from the carpenter to the postman to the shopkeeper to the coach to whatever mm-hmm. it is you're doing, everybody's doing what they love doing and they're brilliant at. <gasps> that would just be fantastic. And when I've got something to do that's not what I'm brilliant at, I get someone who is. Mm. And life flows. Yeah, absolutely. What is your definition of attitude and why is it important? Well, that that came up. That's in the the cycle of my book productivity, if you like. Mm -hmm. Attitude was becoming more and more obvious that that's what I was working on with people. I was helping them shift their attitude and attitude is a bit like a magnet. Once, once you have an attitude and perhaps you've carried it for more than a few hours, it magnetically attracts situations, people, thinking, emotions, events that are aligned and magnetically drawn to it. So if things aren't showing up in your life the way you'd prefer them to, then maybe one of the things you can control is your attitude. So I started to write the manuscript for that. And I remember the publisher saying, we needed it by whatever, they gave me a date and I kept pushing the date back. <laughs> I say, no, I'm, I'm not ready, darling, I'm not ready, it's, there's more. But the more I started to talk to people about attitude, the more I was discovering. And it was quite a challenge for me to draw a line on the 50 chapters which is in essence, that was the, in, the, in, the, in the book suite that I'm in. 
it's like, well, I, I, which ones do I cut out? Which one do I leave out? And I, how can I make one of the chapters bigger to include something else? Well, no, that would ruin it if I did that. So that, that was quite a, a productivity challenge for me, but I did it and it came out. And of course, as soon as it came out, I thought, well, there's five or six others I'd like to have put in there, but they're not there. Mm. So when I talk at events about attitude, quite often I'll talk about one or two from the book and three or four other ones that have developed in my thinking since, which is, which is cool. And it means the content is rich and renewing all the time. But attitude is, we don't realize how much choice we've got over it. And if we're not heightening our awareness all the time of what's influencing, influencing us, it goes off. Mm. And right now in the world, there are 7 billion attitudes that are at risk. They're at risk of what the media is telling you. They're at risk of what each of the government's sort of angle is on on the pandemic and on uh, mm. black lives matter and and how the conversations are changing and so there's a lot of attitudes at risk and if we're not careful it's, it's just going to become somewhat chaotic yeah i think the title of your talk last year was your flipping attitude so yeah. taking that as a, as a concept how does one flip their attitude yeah, and, and I, I use that as a obviously a mildly provocative theme for a number <laughs> of talks I did around that point. And the point is that you can flip your attitude, but it starts with awareness. Mm. And that's quite a brave step for most people to either talk to someone about, what are you noticing about my attitude? Mm -hmm. If you were to describe the attitude you think I have most days, what would it be? So one, you need awareness. That's the start point. The next point is, back to the what do i want what what would i like my attitude to be what i like to start attracting to me what's in my my attitude range because right now we all probably have a, a range that we're not really aware of but we'll have a middling attitude whatever that is for you and you'll have where it goes on a bad day and potentially where it goes on a good day but it's still probably quite a narrow attitude bandwidth my point is you can either broaden them which means that Potentially, it's going to be a great attitude on wonderful days, but it could be pretty awful on other days. That's unhelpful. It's to realize where it is and then move your whole... Okay, the bandwidth stays the same, but you just move it upwards, which means that your middle point needs to change. I've got a picture in my office which has served me so well as my midpoint through lots of different situations, not crises necessarily, but challenging situation. And it simply says, everything is going to be okay. It's a mm -hmm. post in the middle of a field in probably it looks like the Yorkshire Dales. I can draw where the content is, but I look at that. I think it's true. Everything mm -hmm. is going to be okay. Even if in the moment it doesn't mm -hmm. feel like I'd like it to be this way, but everything's going to be okay. And that attitude has always lifted me and pulled me through mm -hmm. and kept me open and positively oriented to what's coming next. What are some of the things it's pulled you through? Uh, I've had in my business career, I've had financial, oh, mm. what am I doing? Where's the next pound dollar going to come from? And if you start, as when you go through the self-employed journey and, you, and you're on that journey too now, which, there are times when you, you think, well, how, how am I going to make this work? And that thought start, trigger, can often trigger, if you're not careful, maybe I won't make it work. Mm. What if I don't make it work? What are my contingency? Oh, oh, 
Oh, and it doesn't feel good. Your mental state changes. You, you, you go back to the, the, uh, the primitive the core parts of the brain and that part of the brain then becomes less creative. Mm. There's a famous ish phrase that says it's very difficult to come up with a new idea when you've been chased by a tiger. <laughs> and, and that's true because yep. when you're being chased by the tiger, you go to primitive brain, bang, just get on, fight, flight, whatever you're going to do. And the creativity parts of the brain are closed off. And that's the case when your thinking goes down. This is really a bad situation. So to, to answer your question, I've had that. Um, I had uh, my marriage ended now eight years ago. That was a really tough time. I think, what on, mm. How? What? what? Mm. Uh, and I caught myself. I remember I was living in a, this is another dark, dark night of the soul. Um, and I was mm. sitting in a rented flat in a small courtyard with no view of anything. I had a knife, a fork, one plate, no internet signal. Uh, there was hardly any uh, 3G or any signal in there at all. So I was completely cut off. No phone, no television channels. How did, how did this happen? And that was really tough. That took a bit of climbing through. And I reached out, I got a lot of help from, from my network that, that helped me get through. And I guess without that, I wouldn't have grown as I have over the last seven or eight years. Yeah, Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. And um, one of the interesting lines that I found on your website is that you help people um, or you help liberate individual potential. What yep. do you help liberate people from? A risk of being a bit woo-woo, as the people yeah, describe like that. people talking. When I meet people, I get a strong sense for the bigger version of who they are. Mm -hmm. So the, their glow, their, their aura, if you like, sometimes has mm -hmm. been described. I sense that. And I can also see, and it is, I'm not a mind reader, we could all do this. It's just that perhaps I practice this and work to this more often. I can look at people, look at how they're holding themselves, their facial expression, the words they use, their turns of phrase, uh, and the, the body cues, and get a sense for where they're stuck. I'm not always right, they're just inklings. And I trust, it, as the inklings bubble up, I sometimes I might share them, I say, it's just an inkling. You know, I'm two thirds of the time I'm right-ish. And, that's why I do what I do, to liberate people, to help them access what, whatever their little, their, their inklings of desire are. Because people get stuck. Back to what we said at the top of the conversation, what do you want, what stops you? I just get people moving. Even mm. if they're thinking that's moving. And even if it's just accepting what's going on. Because the emotional journey that we're all on, particularly under this current sort of lockdown situation we're all in, you know, emotions are coming and going that in a nor in the old normal, we probably wouldn't have dwelled on the emotion that comes in. And the clue in the word emotion is the word motion comprises it. They're on the move all the time. Mm. But now what's happening is we sit in our own isolated offices, desks, lounges. We hold on to that emotion and almost embed it. And it might not be the best one to hold on to. So my job is to, to help people notice these things, become more 
peacefully oriented towards who they are and what's going on on their journey and then liberate them and get them in in a real motion towards and sometimes it's it happens really quickly not always but happens really quickly when people just <sighs> it's that mm. here we go love that sometimes we can overcomplicate things why did you write the simple way um because my name's simon <laughs> uh, partly partly yeah. i grew up i grew up being called simple simon as i talked to people about and it felt like a derogatory way of describing me so i've spent most of my teen years and early work years trying to prove to people I, i'm not mm. simple i i'm i'm really really complicated and uh, super intelligent <laughs> and of course that wasn't really the case and it wasn't until i was coached by a guy called another one of my coaches drew Rozelle, which was maybe 14 years ago, 15 years ago. And he mm -hmm. said, why don't you just accept it? I said, what do you mean? He says, why don't you just accept simple as the hill on which you stand? Oh. There was a stony silence because it's almost accepting what I've been trying to reject all my life. Mm. I thought, oh, okay. So I did because in essence, that's the way I approach things. If I don't understand stuff, I will ask the question, you know, what do, you, what do you mean? Can you, can you say that, say that again in, in a different way for me? And I've never held back in trying to understand stuff by asking the simple question. And that's probably fed through my coaching too. So I started to write my simple notes. They were every week when I first started, cause I was really productive and I don't know what I was keen. writing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really keen. Um, trying to prove something to somebody that was me. And, and a client of mine said, in a, in a, in fact, it was when all my, my business went south, one of those financial moments, my business went south, the, the marriage was nearing its end. This was mm. 2011. And I thought, well, what's going on? And it was in a month where I invoiced the first month in my entire, and still now, my entire self-employed career where I invoiced nothing. It's like, mm. this is not a good situation. Everything, I've just lost a lot of situations. Uh, client uh, feed points and a client emailed me and said you know your simple notes I've got them all in a folder because I read some but I want to keep them because I think they're all good have you got just a way in which you could collect them together for me and it was huh it's a book yeah but I hadn't thought about it so I grabbed and I'd written over 50 of them then I grabbed them sent the emails out to loads of publishers. They all said, no, who the hell are you? you know, I've got this great mm. book, simple way. It's 50 or more ways that people can simplify everyday situations. No one, and I was just about to go self-published and I'd written the check. It was two and a half thousand quid to a stock point where they would print a core uh, stock and put it on their distribution list. So it was a semi-published, but I was paying for all the work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm when through a contact of a contact, a publisher rang me and said, I've heard about your book. Can you send me the manuscript? Really like it. We'll do it. <gasps> really? So I ripped up the 2000 pound, mm. 2,500 pound check and, and got a, uh, an advance because that's the old way that books used to work on advance instead. Mm. It's amazing. So that mm. was a simple way. That was the first book. And then since that time, the guy who ran that publisher um, joined another big European publisher, Lid Publishing. Who and then I've moved all my titles through them, so that's now become, as you as you mentioned already, the Impact Book, the Attitude Book, and the Keep It Simple Book. With oh. them, 
what are some of the top ways of simplifying life? Well, I've, I've mentioned probably my favourites in, in our conversation so far already, mm. but there are a number of... Uh, and the thing with my the ways, the 50 in, in the Keep It Simple book particularly, is not all of them will work in your situation. Mm. Not all of them will resonate with you. Scan the book. You don't have to read it front to back. You can open it up randomly. You can pick a number between 1 and 50 and just go to that number and read that one. There will be some in there that will really resonate and, and think that's so meaningful for me now. So situationally, I'm, I'm resisting answering that because it, it just depends. Mm -hmm. But there's one that I'm working with a, another coaching colleague some years ago, CIA. Have I mentioned CIA? We worked on CIA before. CIA is control it, influence it, accept it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me which is a bit like my traffic lights I mentioned earlier, mm. and water. Which any situation you're in that's not working out for you, you before you let yourself get into some kind of battle with yourself, change your mood, change your feelings, you bring your own CIA in. See, can I control the situation? Is there anything I can do to really control it, actively get involved and change it? Yes, do it. No, move to the next one. It's the I. Can I influence this? Are there people I can talk to? Are there companies that I can get involved that can shift the way this looks? Can I influence it in some way? Yes, do it. No, move to the A. <clears throat> the A is accept it. For now. That's the caveat. Because a lot of people think, I don't want to accept this situation because it's not a good situation. Okay. But if you're not accepting it, you're resisting it. You're embattling with it. And that doesn't bring the best of you or the situation. You're just going to further increase the friction between you and the situation. So accept it for now is, and I was talking on a, on a, a webinar earlier this week about one of the life skills that I think will come to the fore through this period that we we're working through is our ability, the muscle, to let it go, which I mentioned mm. earlier on. Mm which is how good are you at letting things go? Which is if you drop your cup and smash your cup, how, how long do you hold that onto that? Mm -hmm. Five minutes, an hour, you annoyed yourself? Could you, that was a nice cup I just smashed. <laughs> That's a very simple example, but mm -hmm. it applies through life as well, which is can you just let things go? And that's part of the acceptance skill. I'm just gonna accept this as it is. Doesn't mean I like it, doesn't mean I love it, doesn't mean I want it. I'm just going to accept it. And that way you return back to your center. You become more poised. And in, in gym terms, for the people who go to the gym, get understanding where your core is and getting to your core activates so much more of your body and makes every exercise you do more effective. It's the same, which is to find back to my core. And my core is I'm just going to accept that as it is. Mm. And silly things, you're running an event, and the, the laptop fails, so you've got no slides. Hmm. Faster you can go through to acceptance, the better. And you move on, which you'll go through, you know, your brain will go, oh, they're gonna think you're an idiot, you've got no slides now. <laughs> Whatever stories you hear, and it's how quickly you can move through that. Accept it and move on. So that's CIA, and there's many more. I could talk about all 50 of them. And, no, and they'll, they'll, they'll be interesting to one person to listen to this, which is our goal. To hopefully yes. help at least one person. 
at least. I think we've done that already. So let's go for two. So I'd love to know um, what is something that I haven't asked you about that you'd love to share with our audience? Oh, there's a question, Ryan. Um, what haven't you asked me? You haven't asked me what I'm up to right now. Let's go there. Because I'm a now person. And the challenge of lockdown, my, in some respects, I successfully shifted much of my business over to speaking and events over the last four or five years, which mm. is wonderful <laughs> until a country has a lockdown situation where mm. events don't happen anymore. Mm. So my business fell off the proverbial financial cliff on March the 16th or whatever it was. That was, that was the end. I had one very big client that just canned every, understandably canned everything. So it's, oh, this is, this is quite interesting. What does this mean for me? Don't know. And I've been able to sit with that, back to what I've said all the way through this, as peaceful as I can, it's okay. I've started to coach more. In the old days, I used to coach many, many people during a week. And that, uh, that's down to a smaller number now. So I started to coach a few more people, which I quite like. And as a result, I, I'm open to, I, I change my, my fee. I don't really have a fee. I have my corporate fee for coaching, but if somebody wants to coach with me and I think I'm the right coach for them, let's work together. We'll find the fee that works for you. It's irrelevant mm -hmm. to a degree. There has to be some transaction going on, <laughs> but that's it. So I've done a bit more of that. I've done a lot more reflecting and I'm not really a reflector. I've done a lot more, I suppose I've, I've learned and made, been able to practice what I talk about, which is just allowing things to be. Yeah. I've enjoyed the space, mental and physical, just found it so peaceful. Mm. I think I'm a calmer version of me than I was even at the start of, of this period. So I'm, I'm learning to webinar, I've written, many simple notes over the last two months about what I'm noticing about how people are interacting through webinar because we're getting used to that as, a, as a, maybe that is in new normal and as that comes we're going to be doing this much much more often and the energy transfer between people is different we don't realize it but as I wrote in the simple notes just gone out this week a bit like taking a food product out of your your mm -hmm. diet you don't notice it's missing straight away but after a period of time your body then will start to respond and say I, I, i'm noticing that i've got a, um, a vitamin missing here mm -hmm. and they'll start to react in in other ways and and i'm noticing that in the energy transfer we're getting through this we don't get the the real true haptics the physical clues between people eye contact is different some people with their camera they might be looking up they might be looking down so actual eye contact with people is different. Laughter has changed. People don't laugh on webinars as much. Human beings need to hear laughter to start laughing. That's why you have canned laughter on TV comedy programs. So quite often somebody will be sitting at the webinar and that, what I just, that quiet little nod, is the equivalent of a, a rolling laugh in a room. So it's different. So the energy exchange is, is, it can leave people feeling a little bit bereft. Mm. And as a result, it compounds perhaps 
mini anxiety that people are experiencing. And when you have anxiety, that starts the body response. And there's a big subject. We perhaps need to clip this, but when I, little bits of anxiety start before it gets to being a serious mental health issue, the body goes in broadly speaking, one of two ways it, it adopts. I'm vulnerable. So it thinks it's vulnerable or it becomes more vigilant, which is based on fight or flight. So the mm -hmm. vigilant route, it means it turns up adrenaline. So your adrenal activity has gone up mm. just as a result of these tiny little bits of anxiety. As a result, you feel more tired. So many mm. people I've spoken to, they're saying, I haven't got the commute to work anymore. I'm sleeping probably an hour longer at least than I used to. And yet I feel tired during the days. Well, this is part of it. Adrenally, we're not realizing that we're probably in a vigilant state all the time, keeping half an eye on the media stream which is not very helpful because it doesn't know what it's going to report. Mm. The fact and fiction stuff is, it affects you. Anyway, that's a big subject. And I, I talk about that I a lot that. in recent times. I'm going to plant a seed. I don't know whether you're going to let this one grow or not, but I think after 2020, people are going to want a simple year. They're going to want 365 days worth of simple notes. Maybe yeah, that'll be a Christmas bestseller. It won't be me writing them, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we're up to now, we've written, I said we, I've written, and, and Simon, the guy who works with me, uh, we work through them together. Um, I think we're up to 178. So it's not quite a year's worth, but, and about okay. 50, 50 or more of them are now in podcast form. So to Good. Maybe by Christmas you'll have a year's worth. Don't never say never. 2021 might be the Thanks year. Thanks for the push, Ryan. Thanks for the push. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, my ethos is about helping people be always better than yesterday. I'm just curious to know what that phrase, always better than yesterday, means to you. I, I thought about that a lot because I knew that was one of the main questions you can ask me. Mm -hmm. And my first response when I dwelt on that is, I get that. And I love that as your theme and what you stand for. And I think it's wonderfully effective and you bring so much positivity around that for people but my second response was i, I don't mind what yesterday was okay because it's today mm -hmm. so if today if i was to look and compare isn't as good as yesterday well i'm okay with that because I'm a day older and I've taken that with me. So I'm, I suppose I'm making today a better day than yesterday, but I'm so worked so hard, as I said, on being now or I'm here now. Is there stuff I can learn from that? I used in a piece I'm working on uh, with a company is we're using the metaphor of the grandmaster chess champion and their relationship to now the future and the past. They have the grandmasters. They have a brilliant way of detaching from the past. They let go of the games they've lost, the mistakes they've made. It's gone. They're completely gone. They absorb the learning and they tend to be able to remember paths of, of, of moves that they've made. But that's it. They are emotionally neutral to their past. They just mm -hmm. take that. And in terms of the future, they obviously have an intent. I, I know where I'm going to take this. I know where that person is. They've got, they'll be looking behaviorally. I think they're this attack oriented person. So I'm going to do this, but they are able to balance being absolutely here now because they, if they get lost in the future, they make mistakes. Now, if they are stuck in the past, 
they are hesitant and reticent now. They are brilliant at nowing, which is a skill. So it's a roundabout way of answering your question. Yesterday was cool, was brilliant. Mm. I liked it. Yep. And if I want to, I could say, oh, it wasn't this, it wasn't that, it wasn't the other. That's irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. I'm here now. Today is everything it's going to be. I set an intention, little intention in the morning, what today is going to be about, and that plays out. Yeah, I really enjoyed your answer to that. And, and it's, it's, it's interesting because I, I ask that question of everybody that comes on the show and um, just to hear the different perspectives. But this sense of, this sense of now, I, I think... That was a big um, reason for even getting going to start with, because this sense of always better than yesterday. Well, I was a procrastinator mm. and I, I said to myself, I couldn't be always better than yesterday if I keep putting things off until tomorrow. So it was always a, a call to action. But yeah, I like the way that you've taken that. So thank you. How can people connect with you? Where can they sign up for the simple notes? SimonTyler.com. Very easy. S-I-M-O-N-T-Y-L-E-R.com. There's the subscriber page in there. There's also, you can access on there all of the previously written civil notes. I think there's about 60 or 70 on the website. We tend, normally we tend to close off at 50 and then drop them out, but there's 60 or 70 on there now. And there's a link in there as well that will take you to the podcast. And they podcasts, which are me discussing the previous simple note, in a bit more of a broader way are on SoundCloud at uh, Simon Tyler and they are also in iTunes. So you can download them there. Love that. And the books Thank obviously you. are available on Amazon and enjoy, yeah. enjoy as you are. I shall link them all in the show notes. I just want to say thank you for your time. Thank right. you for coming Thank on. You. Great questions. Love your approach and the impact you have. Thank you. Very kind of you. I'd love for you to leave us with a final thought from your good self. Well, I would sign off by saying, keep it simple, but I really mean it. Mm. And that is if you experience slight confusion, slight resistance, slight sense of complication, it's just a little impulse to go, oh, can I step <laughs> back from this? Can I keep this simple? And I really mean it. I'm bound to say it all the time, but take the step. Things are much, much easier, faster, and more enjoyable when they're simpler. Love that. Thank you so much. Thank you. There we go. Episode 86 with Simon Tyler. Thank you so much for making it to the end of this podcast. You are part of the elite that make it to the end. And for that, let me just say thank you. I appreciate you. Screenshot this and tag me in social media just to let you know, let me know that you made it this far as i like to do at the end of every interview session is to reflect on some of the things that really stood out for me and two things from simon's interview really resonate firstly is cia and that particular bit around accept it i have never been great at this sense of surrender and acceptance for many many years i used to cringe at the the phrase it, it is what it is i used to hate it because i always used to think it'll be what i make it and um, there was so much stuff that happened in my life that was beyond my control last year that i had to learn to accept it so that's why i've pulled that out as the uh, the the introduction to this podcast it really resonated with me 
And then lastly is the concept of three, four, three. I think that really aligns with my message around do more of what you love and less of what you don't. Thank you for taking the time. I hope this has served you well. And until next time, much love.